The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. All right, how's it going, everyone? Happy New Year. This is yours truly, Cameron Fry with His Girl Friday. Coming at you, it's December 31st. I'm cutting this from my new employer parking lot. Uh, Ran out of time as far as recording this uh, in the home office. A lot going on this month and just wrapping up the year. There's a lot of T's to cross, I's to dot. And this particular pod, the end of year reflection pod, kind of got squeezed out with all the other priorities. So I'm not going to feel bad that I have to cut this in the stillness of my own vehicle just wanted to share some thoughts about the year and take inventory of 2019. I know a lot of you are doing the same. Some of you have probably, may have already punted the year in your mind and just to focus entirely on how things are going to change and adjust in 2020. And that's fine. I, I don't blame you. I, I'm going to spend the first couple weeks of the new year slash new decade talking about how we can approach the road to self-improvement without it being a, a striving effort. More on that to come. Just what, how to approach New Year resolution slash risk solution and how to preserve those in a way where you're depending on the Lord through it all. So that's to come. Just giving you a little preview of what my first pod of 2020 may be like. As for this year, there's so much to say and I don't even know where to start. I only have like 20 minutes to cut this, uh, the first couple months were pretty straightforward. I was still at T.Dot Finance. In fact, I was at T.Dot most of this year. The last six weeks, I've been learning a new job at Foundation Group and learning an entirely new rhythm and routine. Uh, these six weeks have felt like six months. And so it's weird to think that the first 46 weeks of this year, I was still at T.Dot. The big news item there, well, at least with, with January and February, took a lot of great snow chases. Uh, I had a supervisor who left late 2018, so I was learning to adjust. Take, I was taking on more of a role uh, at TDOT. But third week, uh, January, God said, I was on, I was running outside and the Lord said, uh, I want you to start a, a Bible study. A very defining moment. It was very clear. One of those moments where it wasn't like the voice was audible, but it was such a loud, such a notable presence in my spirit. Like I knew it was him. There was no doubt. And on that same run, on that same workout... I remember saying yes back, like, yeah, this is totally from you. I have no reason to question or doubt this plan. This is actually really exciting to me. Yeah, so the first two months, I think, were marked by Lisa and I starting to connect more. Fry Freelance was at a good place, and the TDOT Bible study was getting started. So those are the things that come to mind the first couple of months. Where the thing, where the year gets interesting for my family, last weekend of February, um, actually it was the last day for me when I found out, but listen, no, in a couple of days. The short is we found out we we're expecting a third. Many of you listening to this already know the birth story of Milo Paxton Fry, and we love him. He is. Mellow Milo, he is a calm presence. He, I mean, he has colic, don't get me wrong, but when he's not <laughs> in, 
in colic mode. He's super chill. He compliments her family wonderfully. I love having him around. But it took a while to get adjusted to the idea of being a family of five. You know that Bible verse in Proverbs that talks about man plans his steps or plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Well, part of the plan for for our family was that 2020 would be the year where we put our house in the market after three years, going off of projected uh, property and land value, and we begin to look at getting back into Davidson, which is especially needed now that we're a family of one car, and that I work by the airport now, not downtown. <laughs> and then the idea was we'd sell the house, we'd, we'd move to a bigger house, and then we could entertain the thought of having a third. Well, the third came early, and trust me when I say this, we were taking precautious, preventative measures. They didn't work. The Lord had bigger, better ideas. For those of, of my good friends at TDOT, you know how distraught I was because I felt this unnecessary weight of irresponsibility, like I was doing my family disservice somehow. And I was putting lists through another year of pregnancy and Ever, the pregnancy with Everly was much tougher than the pregnancy with Caden. Both had their own unique struggles to them, but I'm like, oh boy. I made this year more difficult on my wife. That was part of the weight I felt in March. And by this point, we were full-on committed to our anniversary slash ministry trip to France, uh, Paris. It was going to happen the last week of April, first week of May. So that wasn't at risk because it, it was early enough in the first trimester where we could still go on that. But really, like the tone of the year changed when we found out we were having Milo because suddenly new levels of faith and trust were required. Behind the scenes, again, I mentioned Fire Freelance was going strong. Uh, Liz, uh, I believe it was September of 2018, uh, she started her new role at the Gate Community Church. As co-children's pastor, she uh, or co-children's director, I should say, she tends the the nursery on up to, I believe, kindergarten. Most of most of the kids in our care are between the ages of three and six, and I've, it's been wonderful helping her co-pilot. I've learned a lot about humility, just going from being on staff to now being a spouse of staff and not being included in the same way. Uh, being outside the the core communication circle, it's that's been part of the big struggle for me this year um, is just being at the church without defined sense of place and role and purpose but to see my wife thrive in that that's been a joy in and of itself so my approach and, and how I simplify ministry for me at least on the, the gate side of things is how do I serve this body how do I serve my wife how do I take part of the load how, how do I make her life not so much easier, but how do I help her enjoy the service, the, the the giving of herself, the pouring out? How do I add to her role? How do I just partner and link arms with her? That's been the roadmap to simplification for me in, in a post-legacy youth world. But the ministry outlet was still there. It just was happening in a different way. Going back to the TDOT Bible study, we were meeting every Tuesday during lunch, and we had a couple solid gatherings early, you know, some double digits. For the most part, I'd say four, five, six people 
it got a little, you know, there were more that showed up at the end. But from February, early February through my last week there. So, it, yeah, early November. There was a TDOT Bible study happening on the 8th floor of the James K. Polk building. And other people were involved. And a lot of people wanted to come. They just weren't able to make the time for it. They were too busy. But they were engaged in other ways. And it was awesome. We, we would do uh, pizza or, or, or we would do luncheons for the floor every quarter. Apparently, a TDOT Bible study hadn't been attempted in two decades from what I was told. And that could be... That could be far from fact. I'm not sure if the person who told me this was speaking strictly TDOT Finance or TDOT as a whole in that building, the James K. Pope building downtown, but there was certainly a lot of prep going on. Commission U wasn't able to get started in the spring, and we had to continually punt that till the fall, and that was kind of a frustrating thing because we had a great turnout in 2018, and we just couldn't get it off the ground the same way in 2019. But I'm not going to talk too much about that because there's just a lot to be determined as far as the future of, of Commission U in 2020 how it's going to look. But I, I mentioned that because I was using Commission U content to help guide my prep and the, the content, the delivery of what we talked about the Dow Bible study. And it was very fruitful wonderful conversation, some of the best times with my TDI finance colleagues in my seven years there. And let me just say, going back to January, as soon as I found out, well, let me go back to early March, because the Bible study was already ongoing. Once I found out that Milo was coming, the plot of the year became a little bit more predictable, as in, okay, I'm going to be with TDOT for most of this year if not the entire year. But there was something in the back of my mind already percolating and expanding. This this thought that there was big life change about to happen. I could I could feel my the ending of the road with T dot. I just didn't know how the timeline was going to work out. And I'd say that started to, to merge in, in January. I, ironically around the time the T dot Bible study assignment popped into view. So looking back, you know, I was right. You know, there was there was big life change coming. I'm going to get to that in a second. But I'm going through this chronologically to kind of help guide this pod. You know, I'm cutting it raw, on the fly, no notes. And for those who know me, that's a challenge. April, May, the, the, the France trip was memorable and a defining moment. Certainly one of the top two or three highlights for Liz and I collectively. A sweet. It, it was our six-year anniversary on paper, but we were celebrating our fifth year. We decided to to wait till this year to to celebrate it, um, just due to finances, and we wanted to team with the mission team from the gate uh, in doing this uh, marketplace conference. So there was strap behind it. This this we weren't just in Paris. We were in Lyon. And I forget the third town we were in. We we spent a lot of time on you know in a train and, and learning how to navigate a new country. I'd never been to France prior to this year, so everything was new to me. It was an education and navigation, as I told a lot of people in hindsight. That was half the battle. Made a lot of new friends overseas. 
and that certainly was an amazing feeling just make you know being so quick to form family without much context beforehand you're just jumping in and you're praying for people you don't even know the names you don't even know how to speak the language for crying out loud but enough broken english enough broken french now i remember sp- spending march and april trying to crash course you know some french and that was fun you know spending an hour before bed just trying to get the gist of the language so you're not completely lost and you could read the billboards and the signs you know in the metro and you could learn and oh, yeah it just seems like eons ago but it was 2019 and it was a sweet trip Versailles was spectacular the Eiffel Tower was spectacular I'll let my year in review video do some some of the talk in there all right Summer, not a whole lot to say, for me anyway. Second trimester, the the latter half of the summer was a struggle for Liss due to losing some clients. Uh, We had two clients uh, who had to offload our services because of growing success in their business and they needed more in-house support. And for those who know the virtual assisting world, know what it's like to freelance and work for yourself. This is just a reality you have to face, but it hit less hard because it uh, is part of her livelihood. And she's driving 90%, 95% of Fry Freelance, just being honest. I contribute a little bit uh, through show notes on the side, but I brag about my wife to many people, as I should. She really has been the entrepreneur, the pioneer in all this. And so losing a client can be devastating, even if the reason makes sense, even if there's a piece about it just that thought of loss and, you know, how does, Lord, there, here's this new void in my life. How are you going to fill it becomes a valid question. I'm not going to go a whole lot into that because I, I don't want to get so lost in the despondency there. This year was probably more challenging for Liz than it was for me. And the sources of life came in different places so we were on the same page emotionally as a married couple, but the narrative, like how we would define the year, like I'm sure the tone she would take in cutting this pod would be very different. And I wish that maybe I'll have her on uh, one of the first few pods we do in January just so we can talk it out and you get a more complete comprehensive view as what 2019 was for both of us. But at that point, she's approaching that third trimester. It was a very emotional time. She, you know, she had that weird rash uh, come up. Uh, she had it with Everly as well. We still don't know entirely what it was, but there were. I just mentioned that because there were some physical challenges along the way that were pregnancy induced. And as she said, and as she mentioned in the Q and A portion of this post, the pregnancy just added a, an extra layer of difficulty to every aspect of life. So we just had to persevere through that. And I had an opportunity to speak love and life and, you know, love on my kids. And, you know, it was great being able to talk to the belly again and just knowing that there's a very good chance this is the last of the, 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 small, the small fries anyway. Janet Bible study was going well through uh, early fall. I'm trying to remember some of the events that happened uh, as we approached. Uh, it was basically staying the course, uh, some, again, some personal changes at work, some dear friends, some dear connections leaving or, or transitioning out. That was hard, but I didn't lose sight or lose heart because I felt my time was coming and I just had to stick it out and just filter the year through the lens of finishing strong. 
the year, once we got in October though, like we're okay. So we know what we're due in October. The The due date we were assigned was the 29th, but we felt it was going to come, that Milo was going to come earlier than that. October 7th arrives, a very unique date in the calendar. I will never forget it because it began the six week stretch of just turbulence and utter chaos. So I get sick with a stomach bug. It's passed around the family, but it hits Liz in an entirely different way. I can't remember the specs, but I do remember her just lying on the ground in her bathroom and just her screaming, Cameron, call 911. Something was going down, and I didn't know what. As I would find out once the paramedics arrived, it was a good thing I did call 911 because this had all the signs of preeclampsia. I may not be pronouncing that right, but you guys know what I mean or could look it up. She was so late. She was at 38 and a half weeks or something, or 37 and a half. She was, you know, she was big at that point. We had to get her to the hospital, uh, did an overnight at Dixon uh, Horizon Medical. Thankfully, we only had to spend one night there, but she had to have a bunch of fluids and IVs just pumped into her, and it was tough. I got one hour of sleep that night, but the adrenaline was keeping me up and going. It, she was really sick. And I really thought this would lead to early induction. Thankfully, it didn't. Milo would come 12 days later. The pregnancy, the the labor story itself was challenging because while Kate and Everly, they were born around 11 hours, uh, the labor with Milo was three times that. It was 33, 34 hours. And she had to accept the epidural. She, She had to get off the birth plan. We had to call a lot of audibles during that stretch because we were stuck at two, two and a half centimeters. And it was a microcosm of the year. That's why I go into detail because the labor with Milo and just even what happened before where we started to feel under attack physically, like feeling the assaults from the enemy. We were reminded that new levels of dependence, reliance upon the Lord, not being afraid to cry out in our despair and our help. It was not nece- it was not just optional. It wasn't encouraged, it wasn't necessary, it was required. And that month, October, was unique for me because I felt like I was able to hold my composure, avoid panic or anxiety mode. A lot of you know, or some of you know anyway, I struggled with depression, but I didn't feel depressed the entire month. I just felt I felt supernaturally strong. Cause I'm like, it was almost like, okay, I, I get the target on our back collectively as a family. My wife is weak, and I feel weak, but I'm not discouraged about that. I'm going to receive the Lord's strength in my weakness and be the one to be there for my wife and to hold her hand, to, to hold her back, to prop her up in any way I can, to not just tell her it's okay, but that you not only got this, but you will have this, and it will be good once we get to the other side, just reassuring her constantly you know, we'll, even at going back to Dixon Horizon Medical Center, just wheelchairing her out, you know, and just having that. There were times where I had to, I felt like I was carrying her, literally. And I felt like I was carrying the family. And, you know, that for dads out there, for husbands, fathers out there, there are times when the Lord is sustaining you, but you're, you feel that you're joining, you're partnering with the Lord in that sustaining work. And that peace internally that resonates, I'm doing my part in this. 
and helping my family out the best way I know how, despite all the crap that's hitting the fan. It's a very unique feeling. Very interesting. Harp on that more. I'm, I'm trying to remember the other audibles we had a call during the uh, the pregnancy because there were a couple other things that happened even before the epidural. I can't remember, but I wrote about it, so I'll just uh, and even potted about it. So I'll have to do some linking up here. Once Milo arrived, there was this a little bit of a relaxed sensation, a breath of fresh air. But wait, there's more. <laughs> At least for me, uh, November first, got in a car accident, Macquarie Lane, crazy. Still teed out this point. But just days away from telling my work that, hey, I've accepted a new position at Foundation Group. October was also a month where I was doing my interviews. It was actually September 25th when Foundation Group became a, a dream, a hope, a realization. That's when I first applied, waited a week and a half to hear back at all and have my first interview. There was something about discovering, uh, it was on Indeed, I remember, uh, just something about it stood out. They had scriptures in their core commitments, and I just thought to myself, I could see myself working here and enjoying it. So why not? I'm going to jump in and apply. Because I, throughout the year, I was looking. I just felt in my downtime, just being spirit-led to just allowing him to direct me to where I needed to go in terms of applying to jobs outside of TDOT. Because I had applied to an internal position, didn't get it. And really felt that that was intentional, that the Lord was protecting me from getting a, a, a promotion internally because there was something better. I just had to hold on and wait for it. And the more the snowball started to roll with Foundation Group, the bigger it got. And it escalated quickly and I felt this connection. And by the end of that month, I really felt like there was a good chance this was going to work out. But by November 1st, you know, I'm not sure because uh, the offer had come in and it's 50-50, getting a car accident. I remember thinking like, oh boy, like maybe how I thought this year would end, maybe it's not going to happen after all. I felt discouraged that I'd just gotten through this month, just uh, a crazy health month for our family as a whole. And then I lose a car and it's totaled. And I'm still in the hunt for a new one, by the way, uh, for a new used one, but the Lord will provide. I'm not even worried about it after this, at this point negotiated uh, a new offer with Foundation Group. Don't need to get in the specs. But Miles already born. How to get him on state benefits before leaving. Just a lot of overlap. You know, Milo was born on October 19th. I started at Foundation Group, I believe, the 20th. So just about a month. Separation between new son and new job. I'm pretty sure any of you out there would know that that's a lot of life change in a short amount of time. You had almost being seriously injured in a car accident and having to rely on rentals and the benevolence of local church people and you know letting them borrow their spare vehicles. I mean, it's just trying to make the ends meet. I mean, it's a 70-minute commute to work on an average day now from White Bluff to where I work across from Mona at the Manor by the airport. How to get to just used to this new rhythm. I'm still getting used to it. This fall was frantic. It was it, This fall was something else. I, I don't even know how to put words to it. I'm going to find new language eventually. I'm taking a deep breath. It's very fitting at the moment. That six-week stretch between October 7th and the week before Thanksgiving, that was just nothing like it. I've experienced nothing like it. When it rains, it pours. 
and they say it comes in threes. That's fair. It felt like it was three for me, but it was a big three. It was a very weighty, bulky, girthy three. (laughs) So got through it. And now I'm really enjoying life with my new employer. I, I know I'm in the honeymoon period, but I really love the people I work with. They have received me and loved me well from the beginning in ways that I haven't known occupationally in my entire life. This is the antithesis of T-Dot. And there's a lot of five-star people there, but the, just the con- continuity and the consistency and that Ramsey mentality, there, there really is a Ramsey light mentality, just doing work that matters. And there's a spirit of support. There's a, we have threads on Slack. Where we have a shout out thread where we just encourage one another and we give people um, these different shout outs and just say, hey, you know, shout out to X person. They're killing it with the training and they, you know, or they just did so well with this tough situation with this client. That's the kind of new level of life that I'm used to. And the, com- the long commute to work now, it's not even a, not even a bother because I know for the next, once I get there for that eight hours, it's going to be good. And I felt that way about TDOT as well, but there's just more pouring in and I'm just not used to that, at least in the corporate setting. So a lot of positive adjustments that yield to more positive thinking. I feel more buoyant. I feel lighter, like we come out of a rough stretch but I feel like going back to my family, we've come out of it stronger. And I think perhaps Liss is feeling a little bit more weak physically and emotionally. There's still that uncertainty with the clients and what, you know, we need a new car, we need new clients, we need growth and fight freelance. Like, but you look at the entire narrative of this year and God is Jehovah everything. Certainly Jehovah Jireh, our provider. So you learn, I've given you every reason to trust me every reason for goodness and godliness for faith and fearlessness i've given you every reason to trust in me that will provide it may not be how you initially thought it would go i.e hey you know lord's going to provide a house for us and then we'll have our third and because we'll be able to fit you know instead we're having to fit another child into our very small starter home but we're making it work and the and the lord cares he loves us so much that he would find these off-guard, off-center ways of just maturing our trust in Him. I don't know how else to say it. He loves us so much to propel us to new levels of faith and reliance upon Him, of referencing Him, of of wanting to spend time with Him, you know, where it's not even, it's not a chore, it's not an effort to incorporate Him and integrate Him into into your life, into a certain moment of a given day. You're just going at it. You're, you're, you're living life. And then you feel this fear of man kind of trickle in and you resist it and you surrender in the moment. And it's like, I'm not going not gonna to go there. You just sense the spirit communicating with you, guiding you, and you're responding to it. And there's still so much growth left. I'm not really getting into the portions of you know where I need to grow. Because trust me, there are plenty of areas where I'm far from perfect and far from a finished product, and I need work. And I, or, not to sound like getting lost in ego and self-effort there, but I'm looking to reach new levels in the Lord. I'm just excited. This year, the way it's gone, the way it's ending, 
There is fruit and perseverance, the, the courage and the character that's built up through it. There's so much to say about holding on and staying the course, and that's part of my life message. I got to live out my life message in a strong, profound, powerful way this year. And I believe it's going to bless a lot of people. You have your story. You have your unique narrative of 2019 and of the decade. It's a very unique time where tomorrow it starts a new day, a new week, new month, new year, and a new decade. Very rare when we hit these days. And I'm sure that you've changed a lot. I'm sure you've grown up quite a bit and you've had no choice in, in some ways. Like You just have to say yes when push comes to shove. The T-dot was a simple yes. I see that I see what you're doing, God, and I'm going to receive it, not doubt for a second. The yes to Milo was a little different because I knew that that was going to be eight, nine months of stretching and expanding the 10 pegs of, I got to find use synonyms for reliance and dependence, but essentially this is what it was, enough trust of yielding to the Lord. It's all I got as far as those words and verbs are concerned. All I know is, is that 2020 and this new decade is going to be really defining for a lot of us. And the highlights are not going to be the same. There may be more cons than pros in a given year. But the Lord's working in you. And don't live to have this amazing year that you look back and you're proud of. Don't do it that way. Because then you're going to play each year like not to lose. And don't approach self-betterment through the lens of self-betterment, don't try to be better. But receive God into your weakness and speak life and love to, to yourself and to one another where you're honest and vulnerable with God about where you want to go, those new levels you want to reach. And it's not about feeling self-confident in a vacuum by itself, but being in position to know God more and to help other people know God more with his love as the bridge that connects the gap. In life, again, it simplifies into reaching people with his love to invite them into his family, for them to make that decision for themselves to receive their love by God identity and to find freedom from sin and bondage, baggage, to experience breakthrough from, you know, in character and integrity and in business and the skill sets that God has given them to discover God in, in life and everything that they are, they have it and what they will be. This is part of my prayer for you listening to this. That there's a, ref a refreshment that comes over. That God sets, you know, the, the metaphor, the word picks comes to mind is he's resetting the browser of your life. And as he resets it, it's not just a new page that opens or a new tab or new window, but a completely different system. You know, some of you know what it's like to go from like Windows 8 to 10 or 11 or, or, or something. You don't usually click the refresh button to do that. But in this case, that's kind of what I what comes to mind. It's like you're going from Internet Explorer to Chrome 
with one click or something. <laughs> and God is the one who's refreshing you. He's going to take you to new heights in him because he loves you. But the pathway, don't be discouraged if it's prodigal sunlike in nature. It's often very windy. There's scenic routes involved. It's not what you expect. And it may involve some loss. It will hurt at times. But God is in it. And he's there. He doesn't forsake you. He doesn't leave you. And I know it's very basic. Very simplified theology. But it's so true. And it's worth repeating yourself every day. Even the spiritual giants out there. Those who are walking closest to God. They would tell you that that's something that you speak over yourself and over your family every day. That gratitude of, Lord, I thank you that you're working in us, that you're guiding us, you're directing us. You never leave us and forsake us. You are a shepherd. Even in the darkest moments, there, even the shadows of life, there are rivers, there are wells of, of life, of living water that we can know and experience and we can invite people to and to partake. And even if it's just a little glass that we're giving him, that's going to mean a lot and God could use that. So don't sell yourself short and don't sell the the, the small day-to-day works he's doing in you, um, even through the mundane, through the the basic. He can, you know, God is God. He is not bound by anything. So I'm excited for you. It's all I got. It's all the time I have for anyway. Look forward to catching up with you and uh, hopefully we'll have more time to interact in 2020. But all I can say is, yeah, it's going to be an amazing year, amazing decade, and I look forward to living it with you guys. I'll catch you on the fry. Peace.